I just wanted to give another warning for this episode that we will be talking about suicide. And if that's going to be triggering, just please don't listen. I don't want to cause emotional stress or damage. So if that's a hard topic, just come back next week for our next case. And I also remembered the name of the book that I used for a lot of my sources. And it is called Death on Ocean Boulevard, Inside the Coronado Mansion Case by Caitlin Rother. I'm Haley. I'm Andy. And this is Dead Endings. of the Rebecca Zahau case and in part one we talked about Rebecca Zahau's life how she grew up her tumultuous marriage we talked a little about Jonah Shacknai his life we went over how Jonah's son Max took a fall while the couple were staying at their summer home Jonah's younger brother has woken up walked out of the guest house on Wednesday July 13th 2011 and within minutes has placed a 911 call saying that there's a girl who has hung herself Now, there are three weird things about his initial statement. He says that he's got a girl who has hung herself in the guest house. She was not in the guest house. But he was staying in the guest house, so they think that that was like a slip of the tongue. Yeah. Maybe he just misspoke. He doesn't mention that he knows the woman, which is also weird. He calls her a girl instead of saying, my brother's girlfriend, because it was Rebecca Zahau. Mm-hmm. And then the third weird thing is that he looked at everything that was happening in front of him and came to the immediate conclusion that she hung herself. Okay, I'm very intrigued. Adam goes into the house and gets a steak knife from the kitchen. He says that he pulls an outdoor table over to where Rebecca was hanging and he stands on it and cuts her down and then he lays her in the yard. People have argued over this detail because the table has a broken leg. It originally had four, but one was genuinely broken all the way off of it. And I struggled because I saw a picture of it and I could see myself at like 110 pounds being able to climb up there and like balance and get him, get her down. He is a full grown man. I still feel like he did. This is a weird detail to focus on. Yeah. I mean, some people just have really good balance, and I feel like in the moment, you gotta do what you gotta do, and, and you can do it. it's the four legs, and the two legs, like, across from each other were still there, and, it, like, how it's positioned, it looks like he was... It was steady. Yeah. I mean, if it's steady, then you you can do it. I put tons of stuff up with very awkward stools that could, like, move around. So, he also faced criticism about a few minutes of pause in the call where you can hear some sounds, but I feel like this lines up with what he said was that he put the phone down, climbed up onto the table, and moved her body. Yeah. Because he's, like, grunting and it's quiet and you're not going to hold the phone while trying to cut somebody down with a knife. Yep. So he lays her back in the grass and the 911 operator starts walking him through CPR. The dispatcher asks if she's still alive and Adam says he doesn't know because she's Asian, so her skin is a different color than his and it's hard to tell if she's, quote, bluer stuff. What the fuck? Just check her pulse! He had found her hanging from the second story balcony that faced the courtyard with her feet about two feet off of the ground. So she was hanging outside of the house. They have, like, a yard, essentially, like Mm -hmm. a courtyard, and she was facing the courtyard. 
I don't like his comments. Officer <laughs> Robert <fair>. Klein, <laughs> who had responded just two days earlier to the call for Max, arrived at the scene about four minutes after the call was placed. When he walked into the courtyard, Adam was attempting to do CPR on Rebecca, but Rebecca's hands were bound behind her back and she was laying on her side with her knees bent behind her. That's weird. You can't give someone CPR in that position. No. Also, why are her, why are her hands bound? Oh, we'll talk about that. But yeah, you would think that that would be common sense, that you put somebody on their back, you tilt their chin up, and then you do CPR. She's on her side, side with her legs bent and her arms behind her, and he's trying to give her CPR. There's like no good possible point of airway. To me, that feels like common sense. I don't I don't know if it is. I'm trained in CPR. I'm tra- Yeah, we're both trained in CPR, so I guess it, it is kind of like, that's but the I first thing like we think of. But I feel like even before I... Um, I would have known to not try to give CPR to somebody lying on their side. I've always known to put somebody on their back. It's odd. Paramedics tried to use a defibrillator to start Rebecca's heart, but her skin was cold to the touch and rigor mortis had already started to set in and she was gone. She had been dead for a while. So we're going to get into the details of the scene. Rebecca had been hanging with a red boating rope that had been taken from the garage. Rebecca was completely naked. Her hands were bound behind her back. Her ankles were bound. And there was a blue t-shirt that had been wrapped around her mouth as a gag. But it had been removed when Adam tried to do CPR. Because eventually he knew enough to remove the gag, but didn't know enough to put her on her back. Police were immediately suspicious of the idea that this was a suicide. Yeah. They did a sweep of the home and the property, and because Coronado Springs is such a peaceful place, they made a call pretty quickly to the San Diego Sheriff's Department for backup and looking into this, because it was just out of their Yeah, like, they, they weren't sure zone. what to work with, you know? They weren't equipped to deal with this on their own. The balcony from which Rebecca was hanging was the guest room balcony. Inside the house in the hallway, outside of the guest room bedroom, was a towel with some blood on it, and some drops of blood were by it. DNA testing showed that this was Rebecca's, and they believe it was from her period because she was on her period at the time. Which I only mention because it factors into the evidence. Yes. Yep. On the door to the guest room was a message that had been written in black paint. It said, she saved him, can you save her? In block capital letters. That's... Inside the guest bedroom was a number of items. There was a wicker chair that had been turned over, there was the tube of black paint, there were two knives... And the rope had been tied around the legs of a metal bed frame, and the rope led out the double doors to the balcony. An officer leaned out to look at the balcony and noted that there was a layer of dust and dirt that was mostly undisturbed. There was a book on the shelf in the guest room, and that was taken into evidence because it was a book about witchcraft that showed women bound with red cord. Hmm. And they just kind of were like, maybe she looked at that, maybe somebody looked at that, maybe this is a cult thing. They took the book into evidence. Based on the marks and indents in the carpet, the bed had moved 7.5 inches from its original spot from the weight of her body, like pulling it. Adam was pacing around saying that he needed to call his brother. He tried to call Jonah at 6.53 as soon as the first responders arrived, but Jonah didn't answer, so he sent him texts being like, call me immediately. Jonah had arrived at the hospital, had pretty much just gotten into Max's room, looked at his phone, walked out into the hallway, and called Adam, and Adam told him that Rebecca committed suicide. Uh, I just think it's weird that he's automatically being like, she committed suicide. Like, she's bound. She's, how is, how was somebody going to commit suicide while they're bound? So, Adam 
didn't want to tell Jonah any details because he said that he can't tell apparently how on edge people are emotionally and he doesn't want to push anybody off the edge so he didn't want to tell Jonah details about how Rebecca died and Jonah didn't want to know details but Jonah was shocked. Yeah. Adam called his girlfriend Mary and told her that Rebecca had committed suicide but he started the conversation with the comment the plot thickens. That's fucking weird. It is to me though that doesn't sign doesn't point to him having like killed her it's just insensitive if you killed her why would you be like the plot thickens yeah you'd be like some crazy shit went down it is insensitive yeah your nephew just is like which is why i don't think adam is an emotionally intelligent man (laughs) i know i realize what you mean when you say that now because holy crap so adam was obviously questioned by police and he was very forthcoming with information He offered police to let him look him over for injuries. He said he didn't need a lawyer because he didn't do anything. He offered to take a polygraph. He offered up his DNA. He even told police that when he woke up first thing in the morning that he masturbated before taking a shower. Okay, so, like, there would be DNA, like, on his hands. Well, he showered afterwards, but he just weirdly was like, here's the whole story of everything that happened with my day. So it's it's weird. It was kind of weird that he just offered it up, but it was also, again... Emotional intelligence is kind of low. Yeah. So I think he's just, I'm supposed to, what if they find out that I masturbated? Like, I didn't know that her body was out there when I was doing that. Like, who knows? So he offered that up. During his interview, he did make a comment about how all of this really makes him think twice about being a good Samaritan and that his brother told him that most people wouldn't have even cut Rebecca down. Okay. Like, sir, like... You have to reevaluate about being a good Samaritan. Like you're, you, you're literally, you're just doing what you need to do. Like, I feel like a lot of people would cut them, da- cut her down. You don't you gotta know? have a weird attitude about it, this. Yeah, it is. It's a very people are being nice to you. No one's accusing you of murdering her yet. Like, yeah, it's that's odd. That's just maybe he's he's odd. So when Adam called his girlfriend back and was like giving her more details and he made a comment about the gag, Mary was like, what? what? A gag? Yeah. She was like, Adam, why do you think that she killed herself? And she said that it seemed like it was the first time he actually considered that somebody else had done this to Rebecca. Maybe he's sketchy. Maybe he, like, knows more. I think that he has a very low emotional intelligence, no matter what. And maybe intelligence in general? Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Rebecca's search histories and call histories on her phone and computers were looked at. Police even were pulling, like, the records of Dina and Jonah's complaints against each other, trying to, like, look back into every history to be like, what the fuck is happening here? Uh, police never tried to lift any prints, though, from Rebecca's phone to see if anyone else had used it recently or, like, wiped it down if there were no prints, which is a sign of things to come. Okay. Detectives went around the neighborhood looking for anyone who might have seen or heard anything, and an elderly neighbor named Marsha said that she was sitting by a window in her house next door, and the window was open. She was about to watch her favorite show, which comes on at 11.30, or had just started, but she's, like, pumped because it's her show, same time every week. She heard some noise outside that sounded like regular sounds of people walking down the street, older kids playing, and then it was quiet, and then she heard someone scream for help a handful of times. She turned down the volume on the TV, but the screaming had stopped, and she went back to her show, in part because she thought everything was okay now, and in part because she said that she's a coward and she was afraid. Yeah, there's so many people who, like, hear these noises or hear people calling out for help and they don't do anything. We will be talking in a few weeks about 
the case of people seeing stuff and hearing stuff and not calling. Like, yes. The case. Marsha later said that detectives were rude to her and they ended up dismissing her as a credible witness. Oh. Don't know why. Weird. But they decided, no, you didn't hear those things. They decided that her house was too far away to have heard those things, but they did no, like, test. But she was, like, the next door neighbor, right? Yes. But these are mansions. Okay. Yeah. So she's the next door neighbor, but there's, like, a guest house and, like, the caretaker's cottage and, like, all this stuff. But nobody did a test of, like, stand on the balcony and scream and see if they can hear you from... I would totally be willing to do that. Yeah, that just seems like that would be something that they would do. When police spoke with Jonah, he was still in shock that Rebecca had killed himself, and when he realized that they were openly investigating it and not just looking at it as a suicide, that seemed to make more sense to him. He said that Rebecca was an incredibly considerate person, and he didn't believe that she would do this to him, especially at a time where he's already suffering in his, like, to do it at his home. Yes. He said that she seemed so devoted to doing whatever she could to help him get through this. Jonah brought up her ex-husband, Neil, saying that he'd seen texts between them where Neil was harassing Rebecca because Neil still seemed upset. He said that Rebecca was living in sin with Jonah because she and Jonah weren't married, which is none of Neil's fucking business. Yeah, they're divorced. Get off your high horse. Hospital records showed that Jonah and Nina were both in Max's room at 10.38 p.m., Video shows Jonah leaving around 12.30 a.m., but a number of cameras at his hotel weren't working at the time. There are some shots of him going back into his room, but there's been speculation about the possibility that he avoided working cameras to sneak out, like, if he went outside and then, like... But how would he know what cameras were working or not? Right? Like... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that he... I think he went home and got rest. Yeah. Went to the hotel and got rest and then went back to see his kid in the morning. Dude went and got some sleep. Jonah tried to think of anyone else who could have been responsible. He wondered if it had something to do with his business, like maybe a disgruntled ex-employee. He wondered if Rebecca and Max had been victims of a vendetta against him by someone, but he couldn't think of anyone specifically. And he said that anyone would have had access to the mansion because there was a large dog door that a grown man could fit through. Oh, wow. He wondered if he should have a bodyguard with him, and he just, it seems like he was reeling, trying to get a grasp on reality. Makes sense, after this, all of this happening. And his business started to take a hit. The stocks were dropping. He asked the sheriff's department if they could release a statement, like, clearing him as a suspect so that people would stop speculating and, like, bailing out of his business. Yeah. Which he got criticism for. But you also have to, like, he's responsible for the income of a bunch of other human beings, too. Right. He's, I mean, it may, be see, it may seem like a selfish choice, but it really is for, like, the greater good. Because that's a huge corporation and, like, company that he was the CEO of. Yeah. Dina and Nina also both cooperated with the police in the investigation. Nina had her fingerprints and DNA t- samples taken. Police felt confident that Dina had been with Max all night. But it's kind of similar to Jonah where there's, like, that slim chance that she could have slipped out and slipped back in and avoided cameras. I don't think she was. I really think that these parents were too preoccupied with their their son. son. And her sister Nina points out, too, that both she and Dina really wanted to know what happened to Max. And they saw Rebecca as the only one with answers on what happened. Yeah, nobody would So Rebecca dead wouldn't have been any good to them. Even if they were mad at her, upset with her, like, they wanted answers from her. In her police interview, Dina 
said that Jonah originally, when he got the call from Adam, said that Rebecca had killed herself because of her, quote, Asian honor and that he made a stabbing gesture to his chest. And Jonah says that he did or said no such thing. And I include that detail because this is also what police were trying to deal with when questioning people is literally anything that Dina says happened, Jonah says didn't happen. Ah. This... I tend to lean towards one person over the other. Police never contacted Rebecca's family to let them know about her death. Jonah had called um, Rebecca's sister Mary. Jonah called her husband, Doug, who was a police officer in Missouri, and asked them to tell the family about Rebecca. Hmm. They were also in total disbelief. Mary got in touch with Jonah and asked if he or anyone else had made Rebecca feel responsible for Max's fall, and Jonah said that no one blamed Rebecca at all. Good. Her family cited a few reasons on why they thought Rebecca didn't kill herself, but one thing that came up was that she was Christian and she believed in heaven and hell and believed that anyone who killed themselves would go to hell. Which, if somebody kills themselves, it's because they're seriously, seriously hurting and you don't need to rub your, like, weird religious salt in the wounds. Yep. Like, your God will forgive them, I promise. That's very... I think I've always thought that that was weird in religions and it just... It should seem simple, but it's not for some people. People are weird. My face is just confused because I don't... I don't know how to process that. Like, the whole... Like, I... You, the main detail of the religion <laughs> is based forgiven. on that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Right. So if suicide is a sin, Jesus already covered you on that. Right. Anyway, <laughs> her family initially didn't want there to be an autopsy because they felt like her body needed to be intact to be buried and to go to heaven. But I I would want an autopsy because she, like, this is obviously a murder. So now for the autopsy. Okay, good. Good deal. <laughs> Because the family didn't get their way. Yes. <laughs> um, after Rebecca was cut down, her body was laid in the grass in the courtyard, and the medical examiner's office was notified at 8.09 a.m. Okay. 8.09 a.m. Medical examiner Jonathan Lucas arrived to collect and examine Rebecca's body at 7.14 p.m. What the fuck? More than 12 hours after she'd been found and over 11 hours after the office had been notified. What could he have been doing to, like, to, to, to delay this amount of time? Like, did, he just jeopardized a whole crime scene, in, in my opinion. Her nude body laid in the sun in California in July all day. As somebody who, like, I'm not even, like, a mortician or, like, a, a medical yeah, a medical examiner. And I know, like, that is the last thing that you want to do to a body that is possibly a part of a murder. Are you fucking stupid? Like, I'm so... <laughs> On top of that... Oh no, there's more? News stations had helicopters flying over the mansion taking photos of her body. That's just great. Neighbors could stand on their own balconies and look into the courtyard. That's awesome. That's, that just creates I a whole sense like of peace. in the process of looking into this, there is not enough rage surrounding this specific detail of how I, long it took the medical examiner. Your reaction, yeah. I'm on, I'm good. I'm yeah, good. no, no, like, I... I've just had more time to process it. Yeah. I don't understand why that's not a huge issue in this case. Yes. But this should have... That should be an issue. Yeah, it should. He should have been reprimanded. He should have been... There should have been some sort of consequence because... This is what I put in my notes. <laughs> I love that. Just, what the fuck, period. Because, yes. 
come on, like, this woman has been murdered and in a brutal state in a county that has a low crime rate. It's not like there were other bodies of homicide victims. No, there were. And it's be collecting. It's it's just insane to me that these people are like, nah, let's just leave her out there. Like that's very disrespectful to her and to the family and just to the whole situation. That's so insane and just asinine and it Grinds my gears. (laughs) (laughs) So, during the autopsy, which, again, I take it all kind of with a grain of salt, because, in my opinion, the autopsy is tainted. Yeah, absolutely. It was noted that she had multiple evenly spaced areas of sticky tape residue on both of her legs. It's unclear how wide the tape was, or if they went all the way around her legs, because depending on those factors, she could have been bound with tape. Um, But it had also been mentioned by people close to her that she would put athletic tape on cuts and scratches she had when she went out in the sun because she didn't want them to, like, scar or get dark. Makes sense. So I wonder if maybe it was from that. There were smears of black paint on one of her breasts and then around the nipple of the other breast as well as her lower back, her collarbone, her ring finger, her index finger, and the base of her thumb, which would point to her having been the person to write the message on the wall Not necessarily of her own free will. No, exactly. Like, she could have easily been forced. But I'm just saying the pain on her fingers to me says that she wrote the message. Yep. Her hair was underneath the rope that was tied around her neck. Mm. If you're going to kill yourself, you're not going to want that. A lot of people with long hair point to this as a big red flag because when we put a necklace on or when we put anything on around our necks, our immediate natural reaction is to pull your hair out. Yep. Pull your hair out of the thing. Um, It was also tucked into the gag. So there was the rope and the gag over her hair. Just, mm mm-mm. She had four subgaleal hemorrhages on her scalp, and this is when the blood gathers between the skull and the skin on the scalp, and this can be caused by head trauma. Um, a lot of the times you can find it in, like, newborns if they've have a, had a particularly traumatic birth. Um, but Google also said that hair pulling can cause this. Like, if you grab somebody's hair oh. and, like, yank it. Which I think interesting because her hair was in the rope. Maybe it was pulled. Maybe somebody attacked her and grabbed her hair. I don't know. She had petechia on her face and in her eyes and mouth. And this is tiny broken blood vessels. And that's expected in cases of hanging and strangulation. Most hangings only have a drop of one or two feet. Rebecca's body would have dropped nine feet. Her spinal cord and cervical vertebrae were intact. Really? Yeah. Wow. Her neck wasn't broken. And then I'm going to get into some kind of complicated details here. Her cricoid and thyroid cartilage, as well as her hyoid bone, were broken and fractured. Okay. There was a very small study done in 2008 and 2009 of Thai men who had committed suicide by hanging, and they looked at 20 men. Of these 20 men, two had broken thyroid cartilage, two had a broken hyoid bone, and only one had fractured both. So um, I studies like this that are small aren't a really a good example, but if you look at this, this would tell you that it's rare to break both. Yep. When you commit suicide by hanging. That's interesting. Whereas Rebecca didn't have spinal cord damage, cervical vertebrae damage, but had the cricoid, the thyroid, and the hyoid were broken. Another case where the injuries were similar with, like, the cricoid and the thyroid and the hyoid is Jeffrey Epstein's death. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Which was a suicide by hanging. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. And that's been pointed out before that they had similar injuries. Hmm. But yeah, so Rebecca had bruises and scratches all over her body, on her back and arms and legs. She had dried up her blood on her inner thigh, which would relate to the period. Be period blood. Um, and toes on both of her feet had dried blood on them. This blood was never tested to confirm. <sighs> she didn't have any sign of a bleeding injury. This is, yeah, you can assume like as a person, but when you're police or you're like a forensic team, you you can't just assume. Yeah, you have to take every little bit you that could be it. evidence. Yes. And also I'm thinking about like the scratches too. Did they check for skin like in her scratches or anything? No. No, because they're like fucking DNA. stupid. <laughs> so then lividity. Lividity is where the blood settles in the body when the heart stops beating. It can tell a lot about the position someone has been in during and right after their death. Rebecca's lividity should have been in her feet and lower extremities because she hung herself or had been hanging. And she'd been there for hours. Yeah. However, it was horizontal along the back of her butt and across her back while also being in her calves as though she had been lying on her back with her knees bent. And it takes 6 to 12 hours for lividity to become fixed, which means it won't, no matter how you move the body, the lividity is going to stay where it is. So that kind of makes me wonder if she was, like, strangled and, like, left on the side while the person was, like, setting up, like, the rope and stuff? So, but it seems like it's possible that if the body is moved before the 6 hours that you can have dual or second lividity. So it would depend on the time of death, but it could have been possible that the lividity hadn't become fixed when she was cut down, and then when she was laid on her side with her knees bent under her. Oh, yeah. That the secondary or, like, dual lividity could have said it. Okay. And you could explain that, because, again, she was left there for 11 hours in the grass. She wasn't even covered up. But then you're going to try to be reporting on lividity of her body. Ah. <sighs> So when the paramedics had arrived, rigor mortis was starting to set in around her face, and that's the first place that rigor mortis sets in, and it can take one to six hours for rigor to set in. The rope around her wrists had been tied in a loose slip knot, and the end of the rope was clutched in her hand behind her back. The medical examiner said that the knots were loose enough that he could easily pull Rebecca's hands out of them, and to him that pointed to the knots having been tied by Rebecca herself, because he said that there are times where people commit suicide and they bind their own like hands to stop themselves from struggling. But that if it was a homicide, he would expect that the knots be tight so that she couldn't get her hands out. When mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody about this, they pointed out that could the knots have loosened because she was trying to get her own hands out? Right. The time of death, he reported as, or estimated as, between 1 to 3 in the morning. But that's not, like, I don't know, is that... After you left her body in the sun all day. Exactly. Which you can still figure out. There's still ways to do it. I just am mad at this man. Neil found out about Rebecca's death on Thursday, July 14th, while he was driving to the gym when a reporter called him to get a statement about her death. He seemed genuinely shocked. He wondered why he hadn't been called to be looked into as a suspect. That's weird. He ended up taking a very intense... Well, he figured because they had the history of domestic issues and and... I don't know, like... He just thought that they would need to clear him. I don't know if they ever looked into where he was, like, determining his location, because they did eventually end up talking to him... 
but he took a very hard stance that she did not kill herself. I, yeah. And to me, maybe he was just cocky and he did do it, but if you killed somebody and everybody wants to be like, it's a suicide, you would think that you'd be like, oh yeah, she was having a really hard time. Right. Instead of, you know, saying she didn't kill herself. He was adamant that she did not kill herself. I don't think she did either. Other evidence that was examined or found in the home was there was a drop of blood in the master bathroom shower, one level up on the third floor, which would make sense if she was on her period and it's in the shower. That was never tested. Rebecca's fingerprints were on the door frame leading into the guest room and on the balcony door and on one of the knives and on the bed leg where the rope had been tied to. They didn't find fingerprints of Adam, Nina, or Rebecca's sister because they took her DNA prints for some reason. Maybe to just, like... Clear them. Yeah. Yeah. Say, okay, these prints belong to this person. Uh, The balcony had no other footprints besides two in a V-shape with the heels by each other, which would be consistent with her ankles being bound. There had been a boot impression, but it was determined that it came from a police officer who stepped out to look. And there's debate about whether or not there were marks under that boot print that could have been consistent with somebody else's prints, but that it was tainted by the police officer's boot. That's... I don't know if that's true or if it's just speculation, but that's one of the rumors that goes around. (sighs) The police were seen and photographed taking a picture frame and a rolled up rug out of the house, but these items weren't on the list of items seized and entered into evidence, which... That's weird. When you do search warrants and you seize things, it's supposed to be very detailed and very specific, and nobody knows why these items were taken and why they weren't, like, on the list or entered into evidence. Conspiracy. (laughs) Just right away. On Friday, July 15th, Jonah and Dina were told about results from the more testing that was done on Max, and they were told that Max was just gone, that the amount of damage to his brain was far too much. The doctor said that given the amount of damage, it was very unlikely that he had received CPR within the first few minutes after his fall, like Rebecca had said she'd done. Hmm. Um, They also said for sure, based on his injuries, that he did not lift his head up and say ocean the way that Rebecca said that he did. Like it wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. Oh, wow. Max died on Saturday, July 16th. Mm. His autopsy was done by the same person who did Rebecca's. Fuck that guy. Was he more, did he do it in time? Probably because Max's body, like they donated some organs and it was like time to prep at the hospital and stuff. But he died from a contusion to the upper cervical spinal cord, and he had injuries to his face from striking the floor. Um, The fall caused his spinal cord to hyperextend and bend his head back, which caused brain damage, which ultimately led to his death. That's so rough. I I have not talked about Max a lot in this because I can't do that. Yeah, no, I'm already getting really emotional. Jonah paid for Rebecca's funeral and burial and attended it in Missouri after Max had died. He was accompanied by an ex-Secret Service agent who he had hired for protection because he still has no idea if he's the target of somebody out to get him or what's going on. No, that's fair. Rebecca's family kind of turned on him after her funeral. They felt like his reaction was weird and he seemed really cold emotionally. But he is also going through the death of his son. Like, how do you even expect anyone... And his partner of, like, two years. Yeah, like... The amount of trauma that this man is trying to process in such a short period of time, I have no judgment for any of his reactions. Exactly. You can't... I don't think that people are allowed to judge other people for the way that they grieve, honestly. But the family is doing that because that's how they're grieving. Yeah. That's true. 
The old switcheroo there. That's a good point. Damn. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Haley coming in, showing me some Because it clarity. is. It's shitty, but it's like, I, and this is, I don't really judge anybody because, oh my God, every single person in this situation is going through something. Yes, absolutely. It's like, it's easy to be like, oh, why are you doing that? But you're just like, oh, fuck. It's because you're emotionally in pain. Yes. On September 2nd, the San Diego Sheriff's Department announced the results of their seven-week-long investigation into Rebecca's death and Max's death. They announced that they determined that Max's fall was an accident. They believe he was running in the hallway on the third floor when he tripped on either a ball or the dog and fell over the railing. They believe he caught the chandelier and then the chain broke with him and the chandelier falling to the first floor. That would make sense. They think that he made the initial impact with his face and his head and that he died from the brain damage and then the lack of oxygen from the injuries he suffered. Oh, I'm never having a three-bedroom house. A three-story house. three-story house, yeah. They announced that Rebecca's death was a suicide. They believe that she listened to the voicemail from Jonah and then bound herself. They showed a video of a female officer tying her own hands together in front of her, slipping a hand out and then putting it behind her back and slipping her hand back in. And they believe that she hopped out onto the balcony and threw herself over the railing and that the marks and scratches on her body were from hitting the bushes and plants below. Jonah accepted the results of the investigation. He returned to the mansion only twice after Max died and then he put it on the market and refused to go back. Yes, that makes sense. The Zahows, however, did not accept the results and they were furious that Rebecca's death had been ruled a suicide. They tried to raise money to hire a private investigator, and a Seattle-based attorney named Ann Bremner offered her services to represent the family pro bono. Rebecca's father died in July of 2013, and they believe that the stress and sadness over Rebecca's death played a huge role in his own. Ann Bremner was sent a cease and desist letter by Jonah's lawyers because of speculation she was putting out there that Jonah had control and say into how the media and police dealt with the situation, Jonah sent a letter to Kamala Harris asking to review Rebecca's death because Kamala Harris was the uh, California's attorney general at the time. And he wanted to review Rebecca's death because he wanted to be able to bring peace of mind to everybody involved and because like they were getting criticism about it. So he wanted to be able to just put it to rest. All of these requests to look into the case again were denied. News agencies asked the courts to unseal some of the search warrants for the case and some of the files were released to the Zahaus but the San Diego Sheriff's Department told the family not to release any of the information in the files, otherwise they would, quote, correct the false portrayal by opening the entire investigation up for public scrutiny, which implied that they would release more documents that would look bad for the family and for Rebecca. It was essentially a weird threat being like, we'll give you some of the information, but if you share it with the public, we're going to make all of the information public and you're not going to like that. No, make all of the information public, like, right? whatever. Ann Bremner released a statement saying that they were fighting to get both cases reopened, both Max's and Rebecca's, because they wanted the whole picture and that in order to know what happened to Rebecca, they needed to know what happened to Max. Dina also didn't accept the results of the investigation. She didn't believe that Max's death was an accident, and for a while she held on to the belief that Rebecca had taken part in his death. She at one point had been told by a doctor that Max's injuries were in line with having been suffocated, but the problem with this is... The contusion. It, it is in line with being suffocated because suffocated means lack of oxygen. Yeah. And he had a lack of oxygen because of his injuries. Yeah, but what about, like, the broken chandelier and... And that's the thing, is I think that the doctor just said the wrong thing to the wrong person. Yeah. 
I think that he used a term that in his mind meant one thing, not comprehending that a grieving mom is going to be like, Taking he was it suffocated. As yeah. Uh, Dina ended up hiring a team of people to look deeper into Max's injuries and how he would have gotten them because the story that police had gave just didn't make sense to her. She had a forensic pathologist from San Francisco, Dr. Judy Melanick, and an injury biomechanics expert in Philadelphia, Robert T. Bove Jr., look at the evidence and the facts surrounding her son's death. Neither agreed with police that Max's death was an accident. There were issues with Max's autopsy reporting that he weighed 57 pounds, but he actually weighed 44 pounds, which is an important detail when you look at the physics of the fall. Yep. He stood 45 inches tall and his center of gravity would have been below the railing, so it would have been very unlikely that he was able to just accidentally throw himself over the railing. Melanick's report stated that the boy had been assaulted. She noticed the bruising pattern on Max's back, saying it lined up with the wooden hand railing, as if he'd been shoved against it. But again, if he fell and hit it, it would match up. And then Melanick's report included a statement from an unnamed witness that who said that Rebecca had, quote, a quick temper and knew jujitsu. What the? F- okay. This is like a forensic pathologist's report. Like, report the facts. Report your science. Don't report that somebody told you that Rebecca knew jujitsu. Yeah, that's weird. Bove said that he ruled out the accident because it didn't line up with Max's injuries, but he didn't feel confident in saying what did cause the injuries. He noticed there was fresh damage on the top banister and the corner where the staircase started going down from the second floor, and that Max's... Um, scooter on the first the front wheel had some white transfer marks and the railing was white so maybe he was on a scooter or something he said that he noticed that like the damage seemed fresh the broken chain link and the link of the chandelier was found between the first and second floor of the stairs and not directly below which would imply that it was swinging when it broke dina started a nonprofit in july of 2012 called maxi's house and house stood for hope outreach understanding safety and education and it was meant to protect the well-being of children and blended families, which I think is a decent idea for a program. Yeah. But Jonah said he never supported the organization because it was based on the belief that Rebecca had done something to hurt Max. Okay. Which is fair. Yeah, I, I see that point of view, too. Within a few years, though, it seems like the program was abandoned and it's non-existent now. Hmm. Dina at some point changed her mind about Rebecca's involvement in Max's death, and she now believes that both of them were murdered but she doesn't think that Rebecca murdered Max. Jonah hired a team of people to look into Max's injuries and whether or not it was an accident, and Jonah's people agreed with the police findings. Okay. A private investigator out of Chicago was hired in to look to the case, and a forensic crime scene expert named Maurice Godwin looked at the evidence and said that Rebecca was murdered. He said he saw no drag patterns from the legs of the bed on the carpet. I don't understand physics, but could her, like, body dropping have made the bed, like, bounce? Like, I don't understand physics either, but, uh, depending on, like, how far apart from it is. And this like, case made me want to, like, measure people and, like, figure out how to recreate like, reenact stuff. It. Yeah. I can understand why, like, definitely why, because there's just so many people that are now a part of this with all of the PIs and stuff, and it's just... Yes. Everybody wanted to get involved to help, and I appreciate that, but at the same time, when there's so many people involved, it gets more confusing. Please yes. stop. Exactly. Exactly. Another red flag about the police in this situation 
is that entered into evidence and it was believed to have been taken from the house was a Korean DVD of a movie called The Housemaid. It had been released in 2010 and it's like about an Asian woman who comes to work for a rich family who has a very similar three-story setup with like a chandelier and then I think she starts having an affair with the dad of the situation and then some weird stuff happens and she gets upset and decides to take revenge on the family by hanging herself from the chandelier and like setting her body on fire. Jesus. And so this was entered into evidence on September 29th, 2011, almost a month after the investigation had been closed. It turned out that an officer went out to the store, bought it, and submitted it into evidence themselves because they felt that the plot of the movie was similar and supported their their theory of suicide. But it wasn't actually, like, wasn't at in the, the house. house. Wasn't in the house. Then it doesn't need to be a part of fucking ed- evidence. Nope. Like, what? No. Nope. Nope. It just sounds to me... That person should no longer have a job in any sort of police, police business. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm also totally thinking about, like, this, like, precinct... It was just so fucking, like, unorganized to me. Sorry, it's hard for me to tell who is at fault. Yeah. Because is it, like, the forensics people? Is it the, like, I don't... I just think it's, like, a collectiveness of carelessness. Because they they weren't used to having something so serious. No, this is the San Diego oh. Sheriff's Department. Because the Coronado Springs Department oh, yeah, they was asked like, we for, can't do this, yes. please help. Well, I still think that they're unorganized and they yeah. just lacked any sort of caring. Because even, like, maybe there was this, well, it's not in our technically jurisdiction. They're just asking us to help. Let's try and get it fast, you know? Yeah, I have no idea. Because Coronado Springs, they did an amazing job. Like, they did what police are supposed to do. And I love in situations where you're like, good job, police. Like Yes, definitely. But uh, with the San Diego department, I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. So Dr. Phil got involved. You know Dr. Phil? <laughs> yeah, I know Dr. Phil. Just threw his uh, hand in there. That's odd. <laughs> his production team paid for Rebecca's body to be exhumed, and Cyril Wecht performed a second autopsy. Wecht had publicly questioned some of the details in the case, and he was and is a renowned forensic pathologist. This man has an intense resume, and he's currently 91 years old. Damn. He's been the president of the American Academy of Forensic Science and the American College of Legal Medicine. He's performed 20,000 autopsies, supervised 40,000 autopsies, as well as having performed hundreds of second autopsies. Wow. I'm going to put a little faith in him. Wecht questioned why more investigation wasn't done and said that the hemorrhages under the scalp should have been questioned more. Uh, the original Emmy Lucas said that he didn't question these because he figured that she had most likely hit her head on the balcony during the fall. Another specialist later testified that the hemorrhages could have been from pulling back the skin during the first autopsy. Okay. Wecht also questioned the presence of the sticky tape residue, and he said that it was really, really bizarre that Rebecca's spine wasn't injured or dislocated because she fell to nine feet, and she should have at least been partially decapitated. Yeah, definitely. I guess there have been hangings where people have had shorter drops and they've been, like, totally decapitated. And, like, most of the time your neck breaks from just that impact. Yeah, and I failed math a million times, but I feel like weight probably factors into that, too, with, like, the people who get decapitated when hanging. Yep. Because, like, if you're a really big person, I feel... It's going to have more of a I'm not good at math, but I know weight is one of the letters in the equation. Yes. (laughs) And Rebecca was little. A kinesthesiologist also testified that Rebecca's injury should have been far more intense based on the length of the drop. 
Wex said that rigor started to form two to three hours after death, and based on her time of death, it would have been 3.45 or 4.45 a.m., not the 1 to 3 a.m. that the original medical examiner believed. Okay. Oxygen, the channel news, yeah, news people, but the channel, uh, they looked at the case. Why are these everybody. productions just look at that? Man, it seems... And they had a forensic audio engineer named Brad Murphy look at the 911 call that Adam made, and Brad says that there's a second voice on the call and that can he can hear Adam saying, hold her still. I'm not a forensic audio engineer. I didn't hear a second voice. I don't know who a second voice would have been. Yeah. And I could also see, like, if I was in that situation, talking to myself. Oh, Yeah. Yes. And be like, okay, now hold her still, okay, now cut, and yeah, just get that. Like, because you're so overwhelmed, you're just like, I'm gonna just walk myself through this. Yep, some, most people do that. Well, not most, but some people do that. Dina tried to get $15 million from Jonah, but he refused, so she sued him in July of 2013 on the premise that Max was murdered by Rebecca. Uh, the suit was dismissed because police reports said it was an accident and suicide, so the lawsuit just had no grounds to stand on. Good, because that just sounded kind of money-hungry for a second. Like, I understand that your son is, he died horribly, and that is awful, but that doesn't mean that you can extort your ex-husband. Yeah, I, I feel a little bit of judgment for that. That was yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, and I almost wonder if she was trying to get more money to look into it. And that's understandable, but why don't you just collaborate? If he didn't want to collaborate, like, I'm not saying what she did was okay, that just might have been her goal. goal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see it. The Zahows filed a wrongful death suit in civil court against Adam Shacknine. Originally, Mina and Dina had been listed in the suit as well, but they were ruled out because of their locations, so their name was dropped from the suit, and the trial was set to start in 2018. The lawyers tried to work out a plea between the two families, but nothing ever came to fruition because neither family would budge on their stance. Adam would not admit any responsibility, and the family wanted him to be like, I killed her. Yeah. And because neither would do let up on their side, a plea wasn't gonna happen. I mean, I don't I don't know if Adam killed her or not. If there's no, like, there's no concrete evidence that he had had something to do with her death. Just because he was insensitive about it doesn't mean that he's a, he's a murderer. I agree. Yeah. In civil court, the verdict doesn't have to be unanimous. It's a majority rule situation, and nine out of the twelve jury members must agree on the verdict. It doesn't have to be beyond a reasonable doubt. It just has to be that the defendant is more likely than not responsible. And if Adam was found guilty, he wouldn't be found guilty of murder or, like, spend any time in jail. He would be found responsible for her death and would have to compensate, like, financially. Weird. The Zahau's lawyer, Keith Greer, argued that Rebecca had been struck over the head, manually strangled, sexually assaulted with the handle of a steak knife, and then thrown off the balcony. Adam's lawyer, Dan Webb, said that it wasn't murder, but if the jury wanted to believe it was murder, then it wasn't Adam who did it. I uh, like that approach. Yeah. Oh. A forensic specialist, Lisa DeMeo, testified for the Zahau family that there was blood on the handle of a steak knife, and it was probably Rebecca's menstrual blood, and that the at the bottom of the knife that her fingerprints were there as if she'd been trying to cut herself free with bindings. The specialist's testimony was hard because she'd filed a sexual harassment lawsuit at the sheriff's office, and the stress of all that had led to herself attempting suicide at one point, and she'd lost her job at the sheriff's office, and all of this got brought up on the stand. I don't think that's very... And, like, used against her to be like, you have a grudge against the sheriff's department, don't you? I, that's weird. 
They tried to have handwriting analysis experts look at the writing on the door, but that's not possible because it's in paint and block letters. And there were some specialists who were like, it was more likely that Adam wrote it. And some people were like, it was more likely that Rebecca wrote it. But there was one dude who was like, we literally can't tell. Yeah. It's impossible to tell, okay? There was a lot of argument back and forth about the knots used on Rebecca's body, whether they were common knots that anyone could do, whether they were specifically nautical knots that somebody like a tugboat captain would know. Jonah testified that Rebecca would often tie down their own boat that they went on every week so that she knew how to do some knots. Not, no side one in that. Yeah. The evidence was confusing. All of this evidence is confusing. True. <laughs> While presenting evidence about the knots, the Zahau's lawyer did something that I think is super fucked up. Alright, let's get into it. This man had a life-size doll... Essentially like a sex doll. Oh no, they did not. They, okay. Black hair like Rebecca's. Same length as Rebecca's. Painted the doll's nail the same color that Rebecca had her nails painted. Brought that life-size doll into the courtroom and used it to show how the knots were tied. Nope, don't like that. That's, no, that's, no, 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 no. Like, what the fuck? It came out in trial that the forensics team might not have done the best job at collecting... We're going to come back to the okay. sex doll thing. Uh, they might not have done the best job at collecting evidence from the scene. Adam's DNA was not found on the rope or the knife he would have touched to get Rebecca down, which points to signs that they did not swab it as well as they should have because there's no reason for him to have lied about that realistically. Yeah. And, like, he cut her down, yep. so his DNA should be there. You didn't do a thorough enough job. Only one area of the t-shirt around Rebecca's neck had been swabbed. Only the knots of the ropes had been swabbed. The bedroom door where the writing was, only one swab was used on the entire door, which should have taken multiple swabs. So they say that there was no other DNA evidence or prints at the scene other than Rebecca's. But realistically, they didn't do as thorough of a job they should have. You can't say that without a doubt. Yeah. This case is just so sadly structured. Yeah. The defense had a psychologist testify about Rebecca's mental state and that she had been molested as a kid, then abused by her husband. She had affairs. She would tell big stories. She had that shoplifting incident. She didn't have any friends in the area. She was away from her family. She was financially dependent on Jonah. Um, She had quit her job at the time and was being supported by Jonah. Her relationship with him was struggling, and she was struggling with the blended family situation. And then Max's fall happened under her care. Jonah told her not to come to the hospital. All of this could have compounded into being suicidal, is what they were saying. I don't know. I don't think so, but that's my own opinion. So the Zahau's lawyer had ended up losing 18 pounds over the course of trial from stress, but both sides were confident that they would be winning. During his closing argument, Greer hung the mannequin up, bound in a way that Rebecca had been bound. Oh my god. It's such a disturbing, because there's photos of it in the book that I read, which I will cite. I can't remember the exact name of it right now. And it's disturbing. It looks like they have taken her body and are just, like, moving her body around the courtroom. It's so disturbing. Jonah was seen shaking his head, like, disapprovingly as they're doing that, because he's sitting there watching it. Yep. But the defense closed with the argument that Rebecca had just staged her suicide to look like a homicide because of her religious background, and she wanted to protect her family and possibly Jonah and maybe even her own image. 
After four and a half hours, the jury had reached a verdict. And apparently quick verdicts mean different things in criminal trials versus civil trials. A quick verdict in a criminal trial usually means the defendant has been found guilty, whereas a quick verdict in a civil trial usually means they've found the defendant innocent. Okay. But the jury had found Adam guilty and responsible for the death of Rebecca Zahau. The Zahau family asked for a minimum of one cent to replace the paint that was on Rebecca's body, which obviously that's not what they were interested in. They just wanted to make the point that they weren't looking for money. They were looking for answers. (laughs) They were awarded $5.17 million, which would be coming out of Adam's wages. So probably not going to get that $5.17 million. Not as a tough Rebecca's sister, Mary, said that she felt like she could finally start grieving Rebecca now because they'd spent all their time and energy trying to prove she hadn't killed herself. The San Diego Sheriff's Department released a statement after the verdict was announced saying that they stood by their findings. Mm. Adam was furious and his behavior after the trial got bizarre. And in his defense, if you were found guilty of something that you didn't do, you might also get really angry. Yes. But Adam called the Zahau's posers and said they were grifters he threatened to file malicious prosecution and defamation lawsuits against them, against them, but he can't do that because he lost the trial. Right. Like, so. you were found responsible. You can't say that they're accusing you of stuff then. He could have an appeal. Which he attempts. Good. So Jonah did eventually make a statement, and all he pretty much said was that the other lawyers emotionally manipulated the jury. I think Which I think is, is fair. fair. Yeah, with that freaking sex Specifically... Doll. Because of the mannequin, and that super bothered him. Yeah. I don't blame him for that. Two weeks after the trial, Sheriff Gore announced that the department would be reviewing the case. Not reopening, reviewing. (laughs) The result of the investigation review was that the police confirmed their original findings, which of course they did. They were never going to come back with any other sort of results. No. Adam tried to appeal the conviction. The appeal was denied, but the amount that he would have to pay changed from the $5 million to an undisclosed amount, which Adam then disclosed as being $600,000. Okay. Adam said he, quote, wouldn't waste my fucking time killing Rebecca Zahau. And he said that he could talk shit, and he essentially said that Rebecca was crazy, and he said about Rebecca's family, quote, fuck them, they'd better pray there's not a god because they're fucked. Jesus. I mean, I can understand this anger. I def- Sir. But holy if crap. If you want to appeal this conviction, if you want to appeal this verdict, maybe don't attack the family. Yeah. Yep. You gotta, you gotta like, rein yourself in there. You, uh, you don't look innocent when you do that. No, that's exactly it, too. <laughs> and I'm gonna clarify, I don't really think that Adam was involved, but you can't he's not painting say a, that. Yeah, he's not painting a good picture for himself, that's for sure. Oh my gosh. The family is hoping to get Rebecca's death certificate changed to undetermined for a cause of death. And it seems like Adam is still trying to get his case appealed. The family is also trying to have Sheriff Bill Gore fired from his position at the San Diego Sheriff's Department. Which I don't... I don't know. People are processing things in all sorts of ways. I don't have any personal issue with Sheriff Gore and what I've um, read about his interviews. Uh, but there's supposed to be more in court on that specific thing with Sheriff Gore later this summer. So it's still an active and ongoing case-making case progress. And I am very interested because I'm I'm not going to share my opinion, but I went into this feeling very strongly one way. 
and then coming out feeling very much almost the opposite. And to be fair, I have I have no idea what happened here. I right, don't even no. feel confident enough in any theory I have to share a theory. That's yeah. I I really I really want to say that she didn't, but I mean, we weren't there. Yeah, we don't I have know. No idea. But I yeah, I'm genuinely interested in what other people think. Because I want to hear theories. I want to hear what other people think. I want to do, like, a poll. But, yeah, you can look at our Instagram. Comment, follow us at Dead Endings. You can check out our website at deadendings.com. It's pretty lit. there. Or you could send us a private email at deadendingspodcast at gmail.com. And that is the end of another Dead Endings. Thank you so much for joining. See ya. (laughs) Thank you.